Olympic City, Colorado Springs, Colorado. This is the USA Volleyball Show. And here are your hosts, Clarence Hughes and Stephen Munson. All right. Hello. Hello. What up? What up? What up? And welcome to the USA Volleyball Show. You already know this is the official podcast of USA Volleyball. Uh, we are your hosts. My name is Clarence Hughes and uh, we got Stephen Muslin here. What's up, Stephen? How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah. At the at the time of this recording. Um, yeah. This past weekend, I was at the girls 18 junior national championship. Uh you know, it was great to be back at a USAB Nationals and, you know, saw a lot of great volleyball, uh, some incredible matches. And, yeah, it just felt good. They, there was good energy in the, in the convention center, and it, it was it was nice to see and good to be a part of that. I'm looking forward to the the Opens and the uh, BJNC and GJNC coming up soon. Yeah, it looked really fun from what, you know, we, what we were able to see on social media. So uh, shout out to you for just getting all that good content all across our channels and and really <laughs> setting up that visual for for the audience there. I wish I was there, but uh, I had my fun at a <laughs> Sunshine Classic this year. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully we get to link up together. Hopefully, uh, girls do national championships. Um, yeah, <laughs> some shout out there. But glad to, glad that you're back. Glad you had safe travels to and from. And yeah. Thank you. Uh, glad the event was fun overall. It's just um, good to have volleyball back. You know, good to have volleyball back. Live sports. We love it. We miss it. We love the direction it's going. Slowly but surely, we're getting back to normal, everyone. And speaking of getting back to normal, let's talk about these. this episode. Where are we on? Episode number five? Yeah, so Let's go. This is perfect timing. Episode five on Cinco de Mayo. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I mean, uh, yeah, we planned that the whole the whole time. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But uh, we got a special episode for you today. Uh, Just touching on some very, very unique personalities outside of the game of volleyball, obviously within it uh, as well. Uh, Khalil McClain. Uh, part of the U.S. Women's Sitting National Team and Ben Patch, part of the U.S. Men's Indoor National Team. And, you know, we're going to touch base on both of those uh, individuals uh, about what they do outside uh, of the game of volleyball when they're not on the court. Uh, Kaleo runs her business and uh, we're going to get into and touch on that journey and experience. What's that been like for her so far? Uh, we touched base with Ben on very on something very similar, but you know he has very many interests outside of the game of volleyball, including pottery, which is insane. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Buckle up for that. They, these are great conversations, uh, and we're excited about that. And you know, of course, we'll talk a little bit about, about a little bit about volleyball too with these guests. But yeah, let's uh, let's jump right in and and hear from Kaleo. First, we wanted to talk about um, how you got started with the women's sitting team. I I believe you were 14 when you were introduced uh, and you got started uh, on the national team. How how was that experience? What was that experience like? Yeah, so I started training in Oklahoma City, where we're located currently, um, at 12. So I was still in middle school when I had begun and first started playing. and I think the biggest thing that I remember was just how much older everyone was than me. Um, cause I started playing volleyball in general when I was 10. So it was like a quick yeah. jump from just learning the game into learning a different version of the game. Um, and then went on to my first international competition in 2010, which would have made me 14. 
Wow. What's uh, so you started at 12 fast forward uh, to 2021 now, and you're one of the veterans on the team Mm -hmm. Uh, experience. You've been to three Paralympics. Is that right? Two. And this will be my third. This will be your third. Yes. Okay. So uh, yeah. What's that experience like now being the veteran and, and, um, and being in the gym and training like that? Yeah. I've seen our team change a lot. I think. So I started basically right after, um, Beijing and, and then was in the quad until London and then went to the, with a team in London Mm -hmm. and then, um, trained longer and then went in Rio. So just seeing the evolution of the team has been, um, really interesting, honestly, even the evolution of city volleyball, um, you know, how we, we used to run a six, two, and now we run a five, one, even just as basic as that to changing defensive position. Um, so the game overall for sitting volleyball has evolved a lot. And with that, our team has evolved as well. Um, so I think being on the team and being a young in, um, and being 14 at our first competition and, and honestly just having to grow a lot, um, over those years and even in being a setter and my place on the team, um, and sort of becoming that leader that I would like to believe I am now. Um, but as basically I have changed too, and it's just been an awesome journey to really watch, um, and be a part of. So, yeah. If you could go back to in time to tell your 14 year old self, like one piece of advice, uh, you know, that you weren't aware of, or, you know, that could have, I don't know, maybe helped on, you know, your journey, you know, you're obviously very accomplished now, but if there's that one piece of advice that you should go back and tell yourself at that age, what would it be? I think one thing would be, you don't have to say everything that comes to your mind. Um, definitely being young and like being with people who are like well-established in volleyball. And I was just a kid, like ready to hang out. Um, yeah. One thing would be that I don't have to say everything that comes to my mind. And then also, um, to have confidence in myself because although I would talk and be loud and, um, just enjoying being there, I didn't necessarily think I deserved to be there. Um, so I didn't have much confidence in that space and in my position. Um, and over time that's changed a lot. And I think as I've become more of a veteran, that's changed. But, um, I think that's one thing I would tell myself is just to have confidence in, in how I play because I'm on the team for a reason. That's really good advice. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, 2016 was such a special year, uh, for the women's sitting team. You guys won gold at the Paralympics after back-to-back years, uh, Olympic years, Paralympic years, uh, 2008 and 2012, uh, falling to China and getting that silver medal. But you guys wanted China again in 2016, you got China and you won the gold. Um, tell us about, you know, what was so special about that team. And you have a lot of, uh, a lot of those athletes returning for Tokyo as well. Obviously the roster isn't set, uh, but what excites you about uh, the roster, the the team um, heading into Tokyo uh, from this quad? One thing I remember Bill saying, and it's really stuck with me. Um, it was basically at some USA volleyball event right after, uh, right after Rio. And he said, we had always trained to basically beat the giant. So we'd always trained to beat China. That was really our goal. The target that we were headed towards was to beat China. And after 2016, we accomplished that goal. And then we kind of became the new giant. And so he talked about becoming the giant and what that looked like for us. Um, 
and it's really been something that I think our team has kept as we've gone on is being the bar is what we call it instead of like being the giant, but being the bar, being kind of the person to beat, um, being the best version of ourselves. And I think that's the, the biggest difference between the Rio team and the Tokyo team. Although a lot of the same players, I think the biggest thing is our mindset, um, of being the team to beat and how do we be the best versions of ourselves and, um, really allow that to be, I guess, bigger than even what China could have been or, or what that other competition would have been. Um, but to just be the better version, best version of ourselves for the Tokyo games. Be the giants. I love that. That's awesome. Uh, I think we're going to switch gears here a little bit and talk about your business. Um, tell us about how you got the idea for flower and flower. So I have worked with Kelly Long is her name. Uh, I did flowers with her since basically high school. I worked with a flower shop in high school and she was there and we basically worked together since then. Um, but we'd always talked about wanting to open a flower shop. And I also own and bake for Cookies by Kaleo, which is a decorating cookies company. And kind of the more this conversation evolved, um, when I came back from Hawaii, we decided like, let's actually do this. Like we can put it together. We can have, um, a flower shop and a bakery. And then my husband's been really involved in coffee and loves coffee. So we were like, we can add the coffee aspect into it. So we'll be like coffee bakery and blooms. And so then birth flower and flower. Um, and it's been a really interesting year because we didn't plan to open it until after the games. So I would have less on my plate, potentially more money. Um, and and then kind of go from there. But um, when the games got postponed, we kind of decided to really jumpstart that before. So this past year, we actually got our building in March. I think we signed the lease two weeks before the pandemic hit. Um, so we got the building and we're starting to renovate when everything shut down. And as absurd as the timing was, it actually gave us a lot of time and freed up my plate to really work on it and focus on it. So we're, I think we've been open for like five months now, but it's been great. And, um, we were in a community called deep deuce in downtown Oklahoma city and yeah, bake every day, coffee and flowers. Sounds comfortable. I wish we can, you know, stop by and visit. We'd have to fly out and have a podcast episode oh, yeah. there soon. <laughs> Absolutely. You guys have to come. I think you guys will love it. You also talked, uh, you talked about just the challenge of, you know, opening during COVID, but are there any other specific, uh, you know, challenges that you all encountered getting off the ground that, you know, you want to acknowledge or just bring up as a word of caution for, you know, young aspiring business, uh, soon to be business owners out there that they might want to, you know, be aware of. Yeah, I think, I mean, really, there's never a perfect time to do absolutely anything. I think you can always find excuses no matter what you're doing. Um, But especially with the pandemic and financially, we were kind of at a crossroads. But um, I think the biggest thing is that we sort of just pushed through it. We knew our idea was a good idea. We knew this is something we wanted to do and we knew it would be successful. And something that we constantly talk about as a team is kind of the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs of, um, sales of confidence even sometimes. And, and just 
almost expecting the ebb and flow that not everything's going to be perfect, but you kind of just got to do it anyways and figure it out as you go. What's been the most fun part about owning your own business? Um, there's no dress code, if that makes sense. <laughs> and okay. we're the owners, so we can kind of just do what we want and what we think is best. Even um, it's funny because we run things by each other, but there's really no one above us. So kind of just whatever we want to do, we do. And that's not always the best way, um, but we learn as we go, which is cool. Mm-hmm. You make the rules. Yes. Where do I apply? You send me an application. I know. <laughs> yep. Farmflower.co. <laughs> oh, that's it's been really cool to watch the evolution too. I remember when you were posting Instagram stories uh, of getting the building and you know it was completely empty and and to see it now and what it's turned into is really cool. Yeah, it's been fun. I even looked back on the stories recently um, to just remember because it really is Matthew did our coffee bar. He did the floors. Um, so we really all put in so much work together, um, that it really is our like sweat and tears and love that's in the building and in the space. And even I make croissants every Saturday and I call those my labor of love because they are quite frustrating, um, (laughs) but they're really good. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so cool. It's so cool to see how much passion you have for it and all the energy Mm -hmm. you guys put into it. So yeah. As soon as we can get out to Oklahoma City, we're we're gonna go check that out. Yes, you'll have to. Well, I think we're kind of at the end of our interview right here. Um, was there anything else you wanted to talk about or share, Cleo? I don't think so. I'm just really excited for the games and I'm excited for everyone to see us again. It's been a year since we've competed, um, which is wild. I think that's the longest most of us have ever gone without competing. Um, but I think Tokyo will be a great experience. And I think everyone's really, um, re-energized to go play again. And our love is so deep. Um, so yeah, can't wait for everyone to see us. I know I'm, uh, right about this time you'd be coming to Crossroads uh, to come do your exhibition matches. And I'm really bummed that we're not going to be able to see you guys this year for that. Uh, Because that was always fun. Yeah, I think this is one of the first years I won't be going to Colorado. This is so crazy. You know, before we hop off, do you want to do any type of social media shout out for, you know, yourself, uh, your business, you know, promote it all. We got your back. Yeah, follow me at Kaleo McClay and our coffee, bakery and flower shop at Flower and Flower. And then Cookies by Kaleo, where I do custom cookies. And croissants that you love so much. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, Kaleo. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk soon as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Good to meet you. Wow. How does Kaleo do it all? Yeah, it's so inspires and so inspiring to see her running multiple businesses and, and how involved she is with these businesses. And then, you know, on top of that. She is training and competing at the highest level with the U.S. women sitting national team. Um, it's cool. You know, we, we've talked a little bit about this in our previous episodes with these with our athletes, um, with our guests. And, you know, volleyball is in her life, but it's not her whole life, you know, and um, I like that. I think it's I think she's just a good role model for mm-hmm. younger athletes, uh, you know, that can take that and um, and uh, just just to remind them that. Yeah, volleyball is important, but 
it doesn't have to be everything to them. Yeah, absolutely. And just to touch on volleyball a little, uh, just a tad bit, uh, like like you said, defending champs going into Tokyo uh, mm-hmm. this year. And uh, let me just ask you, Stephen, when you were 12 years old, what were you doing? <laughs> what were you doing in life? I, I can't tell you what I was doing. I think I was, what are we, in middle school at the time? Well, I was, I don't know, age difference here. But <laughs> like, Wow, I was 12 years old. No, I was not. You know, I can tell you I was not playing for a U.S. national team. (laughs) (laughs) Like insane. Just the story behind that. She's another one that definitely is a a documentary. uh, Well, I don't know why I said that like that, but documentary (laughs) worthy for sure. But just wow. What a story. But uh, like we mentioned, like volleyball isn't has been in Cleo's life for for many years, but it's not her whole life. And and, and, and I like that, uh, like you mentioned, like she's a good role model for like uh, anyone who's coming up uh, similar to, or just coming up in, in that space, just like her and just, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. you're just able to really see the, the accomplishments that Kaleo has able, has been able to, to accomplish, you know, working in a flower shop in high school and now with her new business. And that's just been booming, even despite the 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 pauses on COVID last year, just kind of rolling through those punches and getting through that up until now. It's it's really good to hear of the success that she's having. Yeah. And like, um, you know, you, you said the challenges, too. And, and originally they were planning to, you know, take steps to open in the opening this business after the Paralympics in 2020. But when that got postponed, you know, they, they changed, they adapted, they, they adjusted, they, they, uh, decided to start then, uh, uh, while they were waiting for updates on the postponement. And, um, it was pretty cool to follow along on social media back then when they were, you know, they, they were getting their building. Um, they were doing all these renovations in there and, you know, putting up new paint and signs and all this cool stuff. Um, but you can just tell from our conversation with Kaleo how how passionate she is about this. And, and you know, it's definitely inspiring, too. Absolutely. And it just touches on uh, the old saying that there's never a right time to get something done or, or, or do it. It's just... You're, ne- you're never going to find that perfect timing for anything you do. So it's just a matter of done by any means. And she's a testament to that. And he's just. Just fun. Like, I, I want to go visit the shop. Uh, we got to say we got to we got to go to OKC and get some of those croissants that she was talking about. Oh, yeah. They're so the, frustrating. The, for her to make. She loves to make so much. I mean, frustrating. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think what are like five just to annoys her. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. But yeah, so that yeah, uh, just makes you think. Uh, and yeah. I know there's like a lot of just these ideas that uh, like just we have in our re- uh, everyday lives. And I think she really gave some good advice to, you know, uh, people who are wanting to start their own business and wanting to take that next step forward and creating something off the ground uh, just for the betterment of that. And it's just such a laid back conversation, it's, it's, uh, like her being able to uh, talk to us about the challenges, talk to us about the more fun challenges, like, you know, the croissant thing and talk to us about the evolution of her business in general. It's just it's just great. And I just 
just a great personality to be around and uh, uh, really looking forward to just meeting Kaleo one day at one of our events or meeting days, whenever whenever that's going to be. And just continuing our our talks. I think before our interview even started, we were touching base on just like tattoos in general and how artistic oh, yeah. that can be. It's, yeah, it's just good. Good vibes. Well, uh, what did Nikki say? Nikki Nieves, uh, good moods. There good we go. Moods, good moods. Good moods. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no dress code too at Flower and Flower. I might need to find an application, get an application for that. <laughs> I'm telling, I'm telling your boss, you're trying to leave us. Ooh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, really cool, really cool to touch base and catch up with Kaleo. Uh, that was a great conversation. Um, but yeah, moving on to another awesome guest here uh, in Patch. We got to talk to him a couple weeks ago. Um, and what a personality. Uh, oh yeah. So, such a great personality and, and always a good time talking with him. He, at the time he was still in Berlin, uh, with his professional club and, um, they were getting ready to go into their third match. Uh, it was this, uh, best of five series, uh, and they were up two games to zero. Um, so they're getting ready to go in their third match and they did win that match. Uh, so they won the German league championship. So congrats to Ben and, uh, another American on the team, Cody Kessel mm -hmm. too. Um, but congrats to them and the, and the team, the Berlin recycling volleys. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and jump in. Let's hear from Ben. Ben, uh, you're in the, you're in the German league finals right now. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I'm here in, in Deutschland. I'm in Berlin. I'm doing the thing. I'm doing the finals thing. And that's boy, uh, ready for vacation. Yeah, I can <laughs> imagine. All right, real quick, before we even start the interview, I'm going to need you to describe your time in Berlin just using one word. You have one word. Mm, Maybe two. Revolutionary. Revolutionary. Wow. Yes. Prepared for that one. Yeah. Why? Um, I, I feel like being here has opened a revolution in me and has therefore allowed me to like, feel confident to, I don't know, start small and big revolutions in communities that I'm involved in. I love that. Uh, Period. talking yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking a little bit about that, and, and this might relate, but over this last quad, you know, gearing up for Tokyo, how's your experience in Berlin? Uh, have you seen any growth, uh, you know, related to your experience in Berlin and and just uh, on and off the court? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I obviously these are the most like forming years of our, our lives, I think. Not even of our lives, but definitely our lives i would say your younger years is like a lot of mental stuff but like your 20s i feel like is more your forming years of the life and the person that maybe you're kind of in the direction you want to be and i i know that berlin has been a place um that i don't know how to say like like when you're meant to do something you're meant to be somewhere like berlin yeah. was i was supposed to be in berlin at this age and like a destiny somewhat um, kind of you know i i don't know if i'm so foo-foo-y or whatever all the time but like <laughs> i i definitely feel like if there's one place that fits me and fits the person that i want to be in this time of my life for the future it would be it would be berlin it's just like an open-minded place like 
my my teammates are very open-minded people. My community outside of sports is super open-minded. It's colorful. It's diverse. It's it's social. It's it's um, people of color friendly for the most part, which is like a big a big thing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just like everyone's everyone's doing their own doing their own stuff, and that feels and that feels good to like be able to do your own thing and then not be judged for it, whatever it is. That's cool. Yeah. It sounds like you found a special place in Berlin that, you know, you yeah, can yeah. just be yourself and, and they've welcomed you with open arms and yeah. accept you and, and love you. I found myself in Berlin, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. What about, uh, on the court? Um, how have you mm. seen your growth these last four years, um, heading into Tokyo? Mm. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, in, in comfortability and environment, how it like transcends into, um, every other aspect of your life. And I think I have felt exponentially better every single year that I've been here in Berlin, uh, in terms of like from, from the core first, from the inside first that I feel like I've gotten rid of like, you know, traumatic stuff from the years past. And, um, like as that stuff becomes more clear and dealt with, I feel like more clear as a person. And that has totally impacted my, my sports game and volleyball game. Like just being able to, I don't know, be totally embraced by a community is like, is so empowering that you just, you let go of so much insecurity and that, that level of, of vulnerability only gives way and space for for excellence, I think to take its place. And that's where I, I've noticed in my, in my, especially in sports is that like, I've just gotten better at volleyball. Thank God. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's everyone's goal. It gets harder. It gets harder because yeah. once you're at this level, there's like a, there's a really, all you're doing now is like finiting like certain skills or you're just like tuning little, you know, bits and bobs there, but some of those tiny little twists and maneuverings, um, have a big impact and that's hard to do once you get older and the higher level that you are. But, um, it's something that I really have noticed and felt like I've been able to do while I've been here. That's amazing. Long answers. Sorry. No, that was great. Yeah. Vulnerability makes you stronger. I I'm a proponent of that. it seems like, yeah. uh, you know, I've personally, uh, I don't know why I've never really had, you know, a first thought to, you know, travel the world and go to yeah. Berlin, you know, like, you know, from a leisurely perspective, it's always been mm -hmm. like, okay, we'll check out Spain, you know, or, you know, we're going to go to New Zealand or check this place out. So hearing that from you is like, yeah. hold on, wow, let me actually dial that back and, you know, add this to my bucket list of places to travel. For sure. Uh, Cause it seems like an amazing place and yeah, we, we, we can talk about the whole, you know, just acceptance and, you know, people of color compliant cities and stuff. I feel yeah. like that's a whole different podcast. It's episode. a whole other thing. Oh, and we can be a long podcast. <laughs> yeah. We can, we, we can save that for episode 50. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll bring you back for sure. Bring it, bring it on back. <laughs> cool. Um, well, so, Kind of speaking to that growth a little bit, is there, has there been someone on maybe a veteran player on the men's team or even a coach that's kind of really helped you along the way? For the U.S. team? For the U.S. team, yeah. Mm. 
you know, Taylor a- Averill, he's, yeah. he's my best friend. Most people know, like we're people probably, most people think we're like dating, <laughs> but no, he's, he's one of my best friends. And I think, you know, being with him really, um, really impacted my, my decision to like keep going with volleyball and to be in, in male sports in general. I'm, I'm not this macho, you know, super, I'm very masculine, but my definition of masculinity is, is different than what has been socially pushed for the last hundred years. And to be with someone Taylor, who is, you know, hetero identifying and to be like, so accepted and just to like, we share such beautiful, like tender moments together, which to me is the purest form of masculinity is this care for another, another man, another human being. And, uh, just to feel that in the sports world where you're just surrounded by toxic hyper-masculinity was super, super encouraging and super healing. Uh, because I, I never really felt like the reason why I never played sports other than volleyball is I never felt fit the bill of, of what people were pushing out that you had to be this, you know, the jock with like all this, you know, the girls and blah, 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 and like the certain style and look. And I'm like, in high school, I'm like, well, how that's not me. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to watch Les Miserables and read like a book or something. I don't know. So, and so it was cool just to like, Taylor and I aren't exactly the same, but just that he loved and accepted me the minute that we met and to build like a really strong relationship. Um, he's definitely someone that I can say has, has impacted that experience of growth. That's pretty cool to hear that, that he kind of kept you in the game uh, and and kept you coming back and and loving the sport. Um, Definitely, you know, thankful to Taylor for that from a fan perspective, too, because I love watching you play. Um, But yeah, even from an outsider perspective, just seeing you guys together uh, is Mm -hmm. so refreshing and I love it. You guys have such a special relationship and you're hilarious together. Anytime you guys get together, I'm I'm watching uh, on social (laughs) media, wherever you guys are, you guys are hilarious. Yeah, he's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) He is ridiculous. Maybe there's one word to to describe him. It's that. He's He's a character. He is. (laughs) He's like... If you just like blocked off his mustache, he would be like the most beautiful blonde beach woman you've ever seen. You wouldn't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I hope he watches this. Well, cool. I'll send I'll send him a link so he can yeah. see it. Yeah, we've been covering mustaches too, so that'd be a good comparison between him and Stevens. You know, and then you got yours right on there. Yes, yep. you you put him to shame because his is a disaster. <laughs> That's a compliment. Thank you. Uh, no, yeah, let's let's uh, talk a little bit about you know continuing to talk about Tokyo. You know the roster is not set yet. Um, mm. but what would it mean to you to hear from John Sparrow that you made the Tokyo roster, the Olympic roster? Mm. You know, I I thought about this question quite a bit, and to be honest with you, it was the the first time I thought about this question. Oh wow! Um, and that's just being honest. I think you're so consumed. At least I've been so consumed around what I'm doing every single day uh, that you that you don't even realize that like this the the climax, the apex of you know your sports career, which is the Olympics, is is like upon you. And it's just been like this hypothetical 
experienced dream for so long that you, it doesn't seem real. And maybe because it's, it would be, if I do get picked to go, it'd be my first Olympics, but it's just like, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing all of this, you know? So I, what I, what I thought was actually not so much what I thought, but what I felt after reading that question, how, what would that mean to me? It's more of like, how would that feel to me? I think. And it would just feel like a relief. Yeah. And I think it would feel like a relief because all the, all the physical, all the mental, all the emotional pain and traumas and successes and joys and achievements and struggles and ups and downs that this kind of training and experience has was for something. And, um, that's what I would feel like if John told me I was going to Olympics is like, yes, Ben, something that you have been working towards and in all facets of your whole body have felt you get to go, you get to go and like, let it all out and and do this. I love yeah. that. That's uh, mm-hmm. I haven't heard a response quite like that before that. That was really cool to hear, you know, just, just all the challenges that you've gone through the ups mm. and downs these last four years. And just, mm. just knowing, you know, you made it to the Olympics that all that was worthwhile. All that yeah. you know, was, all that was taking you somewhere, no matter how totally. bad it hurt at times, how good it felt at times. Uh, it all, it all meant something. Yeah. And I think you can even dial back the journey, like, you know, way beyond these past four years. Like I oh, feel yeah, like, right. uh, you know, especially at the point where you are in your career now, it's just, it's a, uh, I, I think we told this to, to Eric shows you when we interview him, but we're waiting on a documentary. So, you know, I'm telling yeah. you the same thing, we're waiting for that, you know, Ben Patch docuseries on Netflix soon. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you know, you have quite a story yourself. It's crazy. You know, I tell my story sometimes people, I'm like, and they're like, whoa, like, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, is my story that like strange? But damn, I guess it is. I don't know, but I feel good. I feel fine. I probably could be a little bit more crazy after my story, but I'm good. Um, no, but I, you know, thinking about just going to the Olympics, it's like Olympics and you're like, what? Like I'm going, I'm doing that. I mean, you just, you grow up even before I even played sports and you just think of Olympics as like these Greek gods that are like going and doing this stuff. And you're like, I mean, it's just like how in any context would I ever be a part of that? And then when you start playing, I started playing volleyball. It's like, I mean, it was cool if I could practice with the girls volleyball team. That was like my biggest highlight of the week. And I'm like, even I'm having an interview about me going to an Olympic games. Like that's just. That's just surreal. So it's, I mean, it's so cool. It's just really cool. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. I think that's, yeah, that's something that, you know, a lot of young um, male volleyball players can relate to is, you know, they're, you know, mm. men's volleyball, boys volleyball isn't as prominent. It's definitely growing, you know, as, yeah. but it's, um, it's something where, you know, a lot of them, they have to go, 
be a practice player for mm -hmm. the women's team, the girls' yeah. team at, at their school. And yeah, yeah, like you said, that's the highlight of their week. They get to play volleyball. Mm -hmm. Or there's yeah. only intramural classes. Uh, speaking yeah. from experience, you know, uh, yeah. you know the the my alma mater, commuter school uh, back in LA, you know, didn't have a men's team. And then you hear about mm -hmm. all these collegiate male programs now starting to get cut. It's just, you know, it's very disheartening. And you know, uh, yeah. just talking about like, you know, my volleyball background for a little bit, like, you know, I was like a football player all four years, you know, love the yeah. game, love sport, got me, you know, to, you know, where I was at the point to be able to, you know, be the athlete I was for volleyball. But then, you know, there is no exposure to the sport, you know, how it really should be. And, uh, you know, by the time I started playing, you know, senior year is over and, you know, what next? There's no, uh, there's no roadmap to where, uh, there's not a clear developmental roadmap to uh, that, like that equates that of, uh, uh, I, I just want to say maybe just the opportunities aren't there the way it should be yeah. as far yeah. as men playing the game, which is Absolutely. unique in, in, in and of its sense. But yeah, I guess that's what I'm trying to say there. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. And I think, you know, something that really isn't fair to the, like the sport, the men's volleyball program is like, there's such a world outside of that. I was so unaware of, of men's volleyball. And, um, I mean, in Europe and in South America and in Asia, I mean, the U S just, just doesn't even realize mm -hmm. like the, the, the availability of opportunity for men's volleyball. Mm -hmm. I mean, although we don't have like a professional league, like the NFL or NBA or MLB or something like that, there is huge leagues of volleyball with, you know, comparable lifestyle salaries uh, to that of these kind of professional um, other sports in America. And I think as we notice the, the brutality of like, and the insustainability of these like hyper-masculine sports in the U S that they bear, football and baseball are the things that are actually becoming less and less popular yeah. and men's volleyball is actually growing. So it's like, I think it's a really good time to, for the U S as we are looking in all aspects of the identity of the U S for reformation that we also like include sports. Like what, what are, what is our sports saying? I think our sport is one of the few sports that says we, we need commonality. We need community. We need togetherness. We aren't brutality. We are, we're representing, re representing something else. And I think we're actually representing the right kind of sport, which is mm -hmm. community. And that's, that's what's important. 100%. You know, it, it sounds like you want to be one of our, uh, you know, department meetings when we start to talk about grassroots and growing the game here at YouTube, mm. all about how we can make it better, how we can make it more inclusive, mm. how we can just get USA Volleyball and just the, the sport of volleyball on the map because you seem like a very uh, authentic and, you know, genuine mm. voice to help back Thank that you. up. So uh, I'll keep that in mind. I won't email you because, you know, you're, you're not the best at <laughs> I'm responding to definitely not. <laughs> Called them out. <laughs> worst, I am the worst at responding to emails, texts, anything. Um, so that's, but I, that's my 2021 goal. <laughs> right, Stephen, let's send him a, a homing pigeon or one of those messenger Can birds. Send me something cute like a raven. Yeah, send me an albatross. I want an albatross. <laughs> albatross. <laughs> 
I'll see if we can work that in our USB budget here. Thank you. Let's talk about uh, your your ceramics hobby. Like, what drew you to that? You know, you're very talented. Uh, you know, great at promotion. It seems like you know that mm. contract announcement. But yeah, let's let's turn the tables and you know just talk about what drew you to you know your your interest and your 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 love of ceramics. Yeah, you know, a lot of people really don't know is you know when I first started with the USA team, people were like photography and because I was doing photography mostly then. And, um, that's what most people talked about was, you know, these different things, but a lot of people don't know. I have a lot of, uh, like crafts and things I did well before volleyball. So actually like dance was my first thing I ever did. Like I was competing, um, like with ballroom dancing and this kind of thing when I was eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old. And then when I was 13, I started ceramics and pottery um, so like pottery was well before volleyball and, um, I, yeah, started when I was 13 and it was my best friend as well as the ceramics teacher that like brought me in and like taught me everything she knew. And I mean, I was, this was like my first year of, or uh, last year of junior high and then going to high school, I was bullied, relentless, called names, blah, blah, blah. And so the ceramics room became like my safe haven and, and like way for me to like get balance and just like peace. And I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. Just like a, like a little oasis for me to like run to, but, um, yeah, I, I, I studied fine arts in university as well as design. So ceramics has always been in the background. And I took a little pottery break when I moved to Italy and uh, I was doing a lot of photography then, um, which photography came much later, like when I was 17 or 18, I started doing photography. Um, but uh, yeah, pottery has just always been like volleyball. It's like when I, when I touched it, the clay, like there is, like I was saying earlier, these things that our souls just connect with and you're just like, ah, this is destiny if you will it's just like you just get the feeling it's just the same it's magic it's like the same time you touch a volleyball or like spike and you're like you just feel like you're i don't even know in a motion picture like in a ballet performance for me pottery was the same it was just like this connection to earth and to creation and to um just like yeah like raw material which really i don't know i felt something inside of me and, um, it's always been there. And, uh, now that I'm doing this whole charity project, um, which I started last year, B, um, it's been really well received and I've kind of kept it under wraps. I, I promote it a little bit, but we're about to like launch the website and I'm, I'm about to like, uh, reveal the 16 artists that have joined. So it's going to be, it's a worldwide community of ceramic artists that are donating, works and pottery that will be sold for people in need. And I'm really happy to be able to do a project like this with pottery, because for me, it feels so weird to be selling work that is made from earth. It feels like kind of corrupt. It's like we're selling something that is not even, it was given to us like dirt. So I'm really happy that like, this can be something for us to, like the earth is continues to give back and we're just like the vessels as humans, uh, for that to happen. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to do that. Long answers again. So sorry. Oh, I love that. Uh, you, 
You talked earlier about, you know, the, the stereotypical jock and, and that not all athletes are, are that, and that there's, they're more, you know, you, you're more than volleyball players. Yeah. Uh, and you celebrate that a lot. You promote other, um, athletes, us athletes who have other interests off the court. Um, like, um, Kelsey Robinson's photography, yeah. uh, and, and blog and all that too. Um, can you speak a little bit about just some of those inspirations that, that you've yeah. noticed and, and I know you've done like post about it too. Yeah. I, you know, I really just, I really can't advocate enough for athletes, people in general, just to find how, find out how dynamic they can be. And I think we are, sometimes are so limited and limiting of ourselves because we have found one niche that we fit into just because I fit into an athlete niche doesn't mean that I'm there for unable to commit myself or uh, learn something about myself in some other community. And I love, I, one thing I do love about this day and age and especially the youth that are coming about, although they're way too social media obsessed and they're on their phones way too much and they care way too much about Instagram or these stupid things. But I do love that they do believe that they can achieve anything and they can do anything. They're so visual. They're so interactive. Um, although they're also sometimes lazy, but, um, <laughs> I, I really like that it's slowly becoming a norm. We're at the, the, the brink of realizing what, if we're going to talk specifically about athletes, what athletes are capable of, you see it across NBA with, you know, making clothing lines, creating charities, creating organizations that fight against mental health, that fight for, uh, people of color that fight fight for oppressed communities. You know, you just see the capability of humans all over the place. And that's what I really like empowers me. And one of the reasons why I keep playing volleyball actually, which I could stop and be just fine and have other crafts and have a very happy life. But I keep playing volleyball because I like proving to myself and to other people that, and being an exemplar that I can be exceptional at, at more than one thing. And that means so can you, I'm no more special than the next person. And all it, all it takes is, is effort and, and a little bit of curiosity to find yeah. out where your niches are. I think that's really cool. Cause there's a, uh, it gives, you know, young people, young athletes, something to look look up to someone to look up to because not a lot of athletes are open about their other interests off the court or, or off the field or, or what they're into outside of their sport. Um, mm -hmm. but I think it's cool when, you know, we just talked to Kelly clays and she loves video games and anime and all this stuff that, you know, you can be a high level athlete, uh, but you're so much more than that and you can do so totally. much more than that. Totally. Yeah. And I, I think it's uh, a really some really good points that you've made. And, you know, not only the materialistic part of, you know, using, uh, you know, the platform that you've earned as a professional athlete, whether it's, you know, within USA Volleyball, one of the disciplines, uh, the NBA, MLS, just anything just to, you know, like I said, you've earned it. And, you know, it's big to, you know, 
be vocal about things that you care about and, yeah. you know, face that adversity when somebody's telling you to shut up and dribble or somebody is yeah. telling you stick to sports. It's not just about sports. You're, you're, yeah. you're humans before anything. We are all the same yes. and well, different in the same, you, you know what I mean by that, but uh, you know, we're all, we're all alike in the sense. And, you know, I, I think it's just beautiful. The fact that, you know, you all are professional athletes and, you know, yes, this is what you do, but we're capable of so much more than that. Um, one of my favorite quotes, quote, one of my favorite quotes by uh, the late, great Kobe Bryant, um, uh, you know, rest in peace to him. But, you know, he he uh, one of my key takeaways is that he says you have to dance beautifully in the box that you're comfortable dancing in. And, you know, while you're doing that, think outside of that box. And that's when the creativity comes with, you know, uh, you know, seven, eight other hobbies that you have. That's when you start yeah. to, you know, just really develop and you know, uh, level up as, as an individual and, and as an inspiration to young athletes that are coming up and watching you play. And, you know, that's yeah. when, uh, that's when really amazing work starts to happen. Like you mentioned being able to stop playing. Like if you look back at your legacy, what are you going to leave? And it's just, it's just, it, it becomes bigger than yourself because you're, you're such an influential uh, figure to, you know, everyone else coming up, uh, you know, watching you from a younger perspective and, you know, sorry to get all serious and start standing on a soapbox here, but I, I, love I, I, I love to hear this type of stuff because, you know, it's, it's really a proponent of, you know, that story that you have, that's going to help somebody coming up, uh, you know, get through whatever, uh, challenges and, and just obstacles that they're getting, uh, that they're currently facing. And yeah, it's just, it's just amazing. And, you know, just yeah. it's, it's bigger than the sport that you, you, you play. Absolutely. And I, I, something you said sparked a thing I think about sometimes is, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, what, or when they do talk about, you know, when you die, for instance, you know, what, what people think actually you will be remembered. And a lot of people think that people will remember this crazy performance you had where you scored 20 points or scored the touchdown or something like this, but those, those, those fade and they fade so fast. What people remember is the feeling that you left with them and you left behind. And this is, and this is what is human is, 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 it is more important for me that if I, when I do leave this beautiful earth, that I have left the feeling of empowerment, not that I scored 30 points one game. And that's what I would like to be felt as, as an, as an individual is, is that kind of feelings rather than ever the concept, which is impossible for the people to remember me from one sports performance, but that how I made them feel. Wow. These, this has been a great conversation, Ben. Yeah, um, this is uh, We're going to need to have you back again so we can dive a little deeper into some of these things. Sure. Yeah, this was an unexpected turn, but again, we appreciate yeah. the conversation. We really do. Awesome. Thank you so of much. Of course. Kind I problem, give, no problem. I want to give you a little space right here to promote yourself, promote B. Uh, if you want to talk right. a little bit of, uh, a little bit more about B and what people can expect uh, and where people can follow you on social media. Ah, thanks. Yeah. I mean, come one, come all. Um, yeah, I'm, I, again, B is in the works, but it's going to be as I'm, I'm working with pottery and I'm slowly working on a clothing line that uh, I really hope B becomes this cross 
medium functional um, space and forum. So anything creative that I'm doing with other people in, in terms of design, fashion, photography is going to th be through be eventually this kind of creative house. So yeah, follow along at, at B.10 um, underscores or something like this, but or B assembly. And yeah, there's more to come. Hey, thank you so much, Ben. We'll, we're going to be rooting you on uh, as we head into the Olympics. And, and when the roster's announced, we're, we're really excited for you. Uh, and I uh, hope you hope you realize that dream. That, that would be so cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you both. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll stay in touch and we'll talk soon. Okay. Ciao, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Ben. Take care. Bye. What would it mean to make the Tokyo Olympic roster. Yeah. I think Ben gave one of the most genuine answers that we've heard uh, since the start of his podcast. I know we're five episodes in. Doesn't seem like a lot, but uh, this question does come up pretty frequently. And just to hear that that's not something that he really has considered uh, being mm -hmm. a possibility, being his position now, just really, it's it's interesting. It, it really is because he's such a freak athlete, vertical through the roof, and just oh yeah, such a standout character and an and individual, and just somebody who's really good at what he does. Uh, it's really interesting to hear that it snuck up on him, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the like you said. I think that was one of the coolest answers, and I'd never heard an athlete say it like that, but you know, just relief, you know, that, um, when, when he gets that call that he's made the Olympic roster, just relief that all the work, all the pain, the challenges, uh, you know, that day-to-day -day grind, you know, would all be paid off, uh, his journey to that moment, to this moment, this goal was successful for him. Uh, that was pretty cool to hear. Um, but yeah, kind of just snuck up on him and he, he, you know, he's, he's been overseas playing in Germany, you know, with a pretty intensive, season there um yeah and now uh, and to come back and train while, come back and train for the olympics being, yeah while being in berlin too he just oh, yeah. talks about mm -hmm. how, what a revolutionary time he's been having and you know how he's been finding himself as as just a human being and to go through that on the court and just to talk about that discovery off the court just what a mental challenge that is and i think it's more of the positive sense of that phrase mental challenge that we've talked about with with covid and other uh roadblocks that get into that come into player that we've talked about in our previous interviews um just what a road of discovery and just to, like just circle back and touching base on like that discovery and other off the court interests that really bleed into how he approaches what of the game of volleyball, but just the game of life of just I'm going to skip and straight right and just jump right into competitive ballroom dancing. Oh, yeah. We're not going <laughs> to let you. Uh, we, we let you br brush past it in our in our interview, Ben, but we're not letting you get off the hook that you will be a, a, a returning guest on this show. And you will talk us through what that competitive ballroom dancing life is like. OK, because that's just not that's oh, yeah. not a response we get every day, every day. And no, um, no, I'm upset with uh, us that we let that let that slide uh, in the interview. So we're definitely going to have to bring him back on to to follow up on that. that that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. 
it's one of those conversations that could have went on for maybe an hour, hour and a half, but you know, we Probably gotta respect our, our guest <laughs> time. So for the time being, we made the decision to let it slide and we're kicking ourselves for doing it. But again, you we will be back and you will be talking to us about the art of competitive ballroom dancing. Ben. Yeah, it's such a you know, Ben Patch is so inspiring. Like you know, and, and thankful for him for sharing uh, so much and some of his stories, but he he talked about how he was bullied in school and and you know the ceramics room was was his safe haven. Uh, that was the place that he could go and be around other people who had the same interest and passion for art and pottery that he had, and and that was his way that you know outside of volleyball that he could you know express himself through art. Yeah. And just what he's able to what he's been able to really establish, uh, you know, with his business, with his his uh, love of pottery and yeah. just being a huge advocate for people, not just athletes. And, you know, you just really find out how dynamic one can be outside of the sport that they, you know, committed a lot of, of, of the, like the majority of their life to. Uh, and, you know, they have these outside interests that are also of uh, a, a big love and a big uh, factor in their life. And just the fact that, you know, he's got he's he's come from. You know, that place of pain. And like you mentioned, Stephen, safe haven and really molded it to I, I don't want to you know I'm not trying to sound punny or anything here just talking about ceramics and you know just shaping you know whatever like you know because shaping that destiny out uh he's another one uh documentary worthy for sure and oh yeah I know he briefly mentioned uh you know the the time that he that he's had to tell his story to someone they're just like in utter shock and disbelief that he's been through what he's been through and he's able to tell his story with a smile on his face is going to inspire so many people yeah and just like you know just like Kaleo too and and some of our other guests on previous episodes he's he's a big advocate for people and not just athletes too but just people to find out how dynamic they are outside of their their interests and hobbies and passions that they're used to you know go go outside your comfort zone experience other things um and you know explore i think he said explore your curiosity and i love that that phrase that he used but explore that curiosity uh creativity and you know just find other communities and uh, niches that you can get involved in and experience uh, and that will just help you grow and be uh just a much better person for it too mm -hmm. And definitely like that. He's just taking advantage of all the opportunities that he's had, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, we talked about pottery, but uh, just education in, 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 in and of itself of oh, yeah. just studying fine art and design college, uh, uh, taking up the hobby of photography uh, that came when he was uh, toward the later stages of uh, his teenage years, I believe 17, 18 maybe 19 i don't know but like you know around around that age range yeah. and uh you know comparing like those experiences i think he compared touching clay with touching the volleyball uh so cool seeing and feeling that 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 magic there you know mm -hmm. volleyball obviously on the court clay off the court and how they're in such close relation to each other is very unique description of that 
Yeah, that was, that was really cool. Yeah. Very excited to, to cheer Ben on uh, and hopefully he can realize his dream of making the Olympic roster. Um, definitely stay tuned to that and, uh, excited to see what his, uh, what B turns into. Uh, I know he said he's working on the website and, um, getting the artists ready for that, but it's, you know, it's a worldwide community of artists. I think he said 16 artists, mm-hmm. uh, who have come together to donate their work. Um, that will be sold to help people in need. And, uh, yeah, the social media was, uh, it's B B E dot. And then like a million underscores is what he said. <laughs> uh, but you can, uh, follow him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can follow him to, uh, Ben patch 13. He also has the, the B, uh, social media handle in his, uh, bio, but yeah, excited, uh, excited for Ben. Um, and we'll be cheering him on, especially on the road to, to Tokyo here. And uh, yeah, always great to talk with Kaleo and and Ben. Great to catch up with them. Um, thank you, thank you to them to for sitting down and taking the time to talk to us. Um, they're now gearing up for training for for the Paralympics and Olympics this summer, uh, and working to make those rosters. So very cool, very cool. And every episode dropping, we're getting closer and closer and closer to Tokyo. It's insane yeah. how how far out we have become with that and just regrouping to it being almost here now. It's just insane. Yeah. I know it's been like a year since the postponement last year, but it, it feels like it's come up again so quick. Uh, very quickly. Very excited. Yeah. But this yeah, that's year a, 2021 is going by really quickly. Oh, I know yeah. like March last year, like took three months and now we're already in <laughs> April and April's taking about two weeks to, to happen now. Uh, but, uh, I, Literally in May, as we are talking about uh, Single Day podcast, it's just the months and days <laughs> are going by super quickly, and uh, just it's all becoming a blur, the, uh, a good blur, hopefully. And you know, with that being oh, yeah. said, we're almost done with episode five. Yeah, yeah, that's that's I think that's a wrap on episode five here. But yeah, before we sign off, we have a few events coming up uh, that we want to point out and I'll, I'll run through them for you. The, the National Beach Tour is in action right now, uh, but there's still time to find an event near you. Visit go.usab.org slash MBT to sign up now. Uh, also coming up, the 2021 FIVB Sochi four star will happen May 26th through the 30th. A uh, big chance there for some of our U.S. beach teams to get Olympic qualification points. Uh, So stay tuned uh, to our social media and we'll have updates and watch info for you right there. Uh, And last, uh, we have uh, the 2021 USAB Open National Championship and the USAB Collegiate National Championship. Uh, They're both coming up at the end of May uh, into early June. So good luck to everyone traveling and competing in those. Mm -hmm. Um, But but wait. There's more. <laughs> just a reminder, listeners, you guys can rate and review us just like our friend Stu. We're going to call him Stu for short, but we appreciate all the reviews and all the love of, of all the love that we've been getting. I make sure to share with your friends, family uh, members, teammates. It really helps this podcast grow and reach new listeners. If there's anything that you want us to talk about specifically, let us know. Reach out to us. We are we are really looking for the support here and we're seeing the support coming out. We're looking for it, and uh, we're now over 1200 downloads, so we, we're feeling love here. It's That's just, incredible. We were just at yeah. 500 about a week ago or so, and now we're we're over. <laughs> That's a 1200. That's over a thousand. That's four digits. <laughs> four digits. Oh, all four digits, but uh. <laughs> 
<laughs> also remember, you can email us at theusavshow.org. Make sure you leave us feedback and let us know how we're doing. If you want us to hear talk about something again, like I just mentioned, reach out to our email, reach out to us on social media and, and let us know. We're here to make this the most inclusive and interactive experience that we can make it and we can't do that without feedback from you amazing amazing people that are tuning in and listening to us every other week yeah and remember uh new episodes dropping every other wednesday uh so you can expect the next one let me look at a calendar here may 19th Wednesday, May 19th. So yeah, tune in for that uh, or stay tuned for that. Uh, But yeah, I think that's a wrap, Clarence. Until next time, thank you for listening to the USA Volleyball Show, the official podcast of USA Volleyball. We out. This has been the USA Volleyball Show with Clarence Hughes and Stephen Munson. Produced by Curtis Ward. Our content producers are Kyle Scholzen and Laura Fawcett. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate and review. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the USA Volleyball Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.